0: Welcome to the story behind the story. This is the podcast that doesn't just tell you the new story because you already know the mainstream story, see the headlines everywhere. This podcast, we took the time to go underneath the headline. We sort through the clutter and confusion of complex and controversial topics and give you only the relevant and necessary details. This podcast will get into some of the background into the net neutrality situation going on. I'm going to focus a little bit on the FCC's recent ruling in relation to net neutrality and help explain what net neutrality is. Promotion for this podcast is Kiva. They are a different kind of charity organization. They're actually a micro-loan organization. So they go out and they find individuals in developing countries who need money, who need investments in their small businesses and their small ventures. Um, but what they do is they connect to those people with individuals like you and I. So you log on, uh, you just invest in, um, whatever amount you want, $25, $50, This money goes towards their greater goal of like $500 or maybe $1,000 to invest in some animals in their farm or their store, some inventory. Um, I invested in a uh, a couple blacksmith shops in Iraq uh, just to get some new equipment for them um, to help them out. What they do is they, these people pay these loans back over time. Kiva has a 98%, over 98% repayment rate. Uh, these people—it's pretty cool. Uh, check it out. It's a different way of lending money. Typically, after they pay that money back, it goes into my Kiva account. I just keep lending that out to people. Keep continue using that those same funds for microloans, loans. Um, keeps that money flowing. Different kind of way, rather than just giving the money away and never seeing it again. Of course, you can learn more at kiva.org. So, there are many aspects of net neutrality. First, now we must clarify some ambiguity behind the term net neutrality. Um, around 2011 2012, you probably heard of the PIPA or SOPA efforts. Um, each of them were primarily anti piracy legislation proposals. One of the more prominent reasons you've heard of these bills is because um, Google actually became engaged and prominent um, in getting people to uh, speak out against this bill on the front page actually had a link to uh, a petition that they sent to the uh, United States Congress a lot of people signed it and obviously a lot of a lot of uh, legislators backed off from supporting the bills um, despite those uh, um, efforts uh, different legislators have tried to kind of renew These anti piracy bills in different forms. Although, uh, the thing that we need to understand about this aspect of net neutrality isn't that it combats piracy. People are okay with that. The concern is that it establishes a precedent on the internet. Um, So, right now, the internet's kind of like a highway system that's unenforced. Um, Sort of what it means you can drive from any place, one place to another. you know, there's nothing wrong with driving to, from one place to another um, so the internet the difference is the internet wasn't built by one person like kind of the road was um, it's more been a collective effort by many different private companies so the precedent that a lot of these anti-piracy bills would have set is to get involved in enforcing what's going on where you're where you're going on these these um, on the internet highway so to speak um, your destination where you're coming from uh... it gets into enforcing a lot of internet content it's um, yes, and perhaps even controlling web content just basically even off just an accusation not even proof uh, going going to court or something like you have to now so uh, anyway uh, net neutrality uh, is a very loaded term if you've ever heard of anyone being accused of being against net neutrality, uh, that's kind of like saying that they're against freedom or that they hate America or something. That's that's a sign that that person is not being very reasonable or organization. Um, you don't have to like net neutrality even though you want net neutrality. <laughs> uh, the, the reason I say this, I've gotten some emails from a few organizations trying to get me to contact like my local congressman because they were against net neutrality. Now uh, there's really a variety of ways to look at this situation. That's what you call a complex problem. It's not just one way or another. Um, and, I, and to be honest, I can't really get into all, every aspect of net neutrality. Um, a lot of people, there's a lot of different topics that people talk about and they kind of lump it into the category of net neutrality, even though they probably shouldn't. There's a wiki page if you really want to look into that a little bit more, but what I wanted to point out was uh, the more larger aspect of net neutrality. That primary concern is you know patrolling the content of the internet. Uh, the primary concern is controlling access to websites um, because it's not just one or two websites that would be concerned. People don't just post pirate content on pirate-only websites. They could be posted on any forum, uh, you know, op- opened up and moderated by some teenager someplace. It could be in chat rooms. They could be even posted inside video games. Uh, various links. So there is fair concern when it comes to policing the internet. Part of the reason to emphasize this is that even the government began to uh, police the internet. Uh, that is no longer neutral from policing, even though the policing keeps the internet neutral from other things. So net neutrality is basically a loaded phrase. We probably shouldn't really use it. Um, I referenced it earlier, uh, comparable to the word like freedom when it comes to politics. You've probably heard of somebody accuse a politician of hating freedom uh, for such and such reason. Net neutrality, same thing is kind of broad. It's, it can be interpreted in a few different ways. Um, we should probably start being annoyed by it. Uh, the recent FCC ruling has that's been considered um, a net neutrality, you know, subtopic. Even though it's entirely different from piracy, even though it's, you know, categorized under net neutrality, which also encompasses a whole kind of anti-piracy efforts. So, until this FCC ruling, I wanted to explain a few ways people manage networks. Um, i know no expert myself, but you know, worked alongside a couple of ISPs inside a couple of data centers. Um, data centers basically where content is created, distributed across the internet that's um, usually a large source of you know internet content so to speak. Um, ISPs are largely just the, the people that end users get contact with to get the internet. So um, Really your personal computer at home is one end of the internet and usually servers and data centers are the other end, ISPs are the middleman in between, and there's a variety of levels of ISPs that work together uh, oftentimes. Uh, so the primary way we can look at the internet really is just a giant network connection, um, not terribly different from even a home network. Um, essentially, the, or at least the way I want you to look at this technology a little bit is, you know, a single network cable For example, it can only handle so much data at one time. That equipment on either end of the cable, same thing, roughly. I mean, obviously, ISPs or data centers are going to have better equipment, high-end businesses. But the process is the same. You can only handle so much content somewhere. Uh, So when you're a large content provider like Netflix, a bunch of people want to use the same line, you've got to be clever in how you distribute that content keep in mind I'm really simplifying this. Obviously they have many cable connections, not just the one. Um, and a variety of ways to manage that demand, especially a company like Netflix. But or uh, look at consider a line at a movie theater, like a the same single cable connection. You can only process one person at a time or on uh, a network, it's one packet of information at a time. One packet of data. That's it. Or maybe look at a theme park with those little rotating mail Metal bars that only let one person in at a time. One thing that's happened in the past is ISPs were charging these content providers, you know, you know from data centers like Netflix. They were charging them for prioritization, meaning when other websites were trying to get data passed through their network, um, of all these people trying to get data through, whoever paid for the prioritization, like Netflix, did would get first dibs and basically get rushed to the front of that ticket line now one way of divvying up this network demand is to simply open up another line at the theater um, It's kinda like plugging in another cable in reality you know they obviously do sort of a little of both although most companies don't pay for prioritization um, as far as I know a network is or netflix is a huge exception to that one of the biggest concerns in recent history is the fact that ISPs, like Comcast, have stakes in both the ISP world and content providing. So a Comcast service, Xfinity, is a competitor to businesses like Netflix, which is concerning because not only does it put Netflix on an unfair advantage, not being able to manage or prioritize their own content, like Comcast could, but theoretically Comcast could even deliberately, um, you know, Hold back Netflix data, and they could throttle back their prioritization because um, Netflix really has no control over what they do like that. Um, it's been difficult to even um, prove whether or not that they have or even could ever do that. Uh, so, if Comcast customers, you um, know, in our home, ever felt like Netflix service was slow, or you know, these data packets from a movie or TV shows weren't getting to your computer or your television. They might feel compelled to cancel Netflix and sign up for Xfinity, in theory. So, there's a lot of dispute over whether or not Comcast has done this throttling. Uh, Like I said, it's difficult to really prove or determine whether that has actually happened. Uh, There really aren't any laws over prioritization, you know, up until recently. Um, But, you know, even data caps to direct users, much like cellular. Data limits, you know, on your smartphone these days. Uh, that, that there aren't any rules on that. There aren't any laws on those things. Um, U.S. Congress hasn't gotten into any of that. Um, the FCC hasn't. I mean, traditionally overseeing like radio and television, never really regulated the internet. So that, that's what this FCC recent FCC ruling really did was the FCC finally just said, okay, we're going to regulate the internet now we're gonna make decisions over these things um, one could argue that the free market would have sorted this out eventually um, but differences is FCC is doing something now um, the concerning political aspects of this ruling was the FCC just deciding to regulate the Internet but the Congress didn't actually uh, specifically authorize this. The president didn't sign anything into law from Congress or anything like that. The laws used were um, a combination of things, but uh, largely based on like, the Communications Act of 1934. It's thing called a Title II classification or a common carrier classification. So, Congress back in the 30s said you could regulate these common carriers uh, like telephones. So, the FCC uh, this year, you know, the past couple months basically ruled that okay the internet now is we're gonna categorize it under classified under this title two so we can regulate it now. So it was largely a decision this FCC decision, the vote on their uh, on their board was actually three to two vote um, expect to hear more about this. It is somewhat controversial uh, the immediate regulatory decisions by the FCC really aren't all bad. A lot of people like it actually. Um, so you have one group of people that are really cheering for what they did—it's uh, the positive side of the decision—and you'll hear another group um, somewhat concerned, largely are just over the way the FCC is dealt with. It again, just kind of deciding that they're going to do this, um, and then not exactly getting authorization from Congress. So, through that, you know, that bothers some people. Now, one thing to consider. Um, is that Comcast or other companies like Verizon, who have gotten into ISP world, have received some under- understandable, uh, you know, deserved scrutiny, even when it comes to something like bandwidth throttling or data caps. Uh, the business side of the companies kind of got a little bit greedy. Technology didn't necessarily force them to do this, you know, throttling or maybe data uh, data limits. Uh, let's say you have a cable connection through Comcast. Um, and they charge people for different speeds for example um, you know that infrastructure that cable and the equipment connected to it let's say that can handle, I mean there's, it varies between some of the equipment but let's say it. Uh, you get up to 50 megabits per second so they charge different for different brackets and tiers like 10 megabits per second, 20 megabits per second at different rates so maybe $40 a month for one, 50 for another um, that equipment can't handle that top tier speed if you just paid more for it. So imagine if you purchased a plane ticket um, but you maybe they ask people to pay a little bit extra for a faster flight. Like It doesn't really make any sense. There aren't any speed limits up there in the sky. As long as the planes and the engines can safely handle that higher speed then you go with a higher speed. Um, same thing with this data speed. There's really no constraints inherent to the technology. Well, that infrastructure they put into place they're just trying to incentivize people to pay more for the higher speeds um, so bring customers in at lower speeds and then try and upsell them later or something so side note the same thing occurs for texting in some way if you don't know text messages between cell phones they um, don't really cost anything other than first implementing it Your cell phone's actually transmit data, little packets of data between your cell tower and your phone constantly. So what they did is uh, they just basically packaged up text messages. They embedded them in those little packets that are already sent. The the increase in data in your text was nothing insignificant at all. So I mean that doesn't cost. I mean why they put those into different pricing tiers. I don't really know why that doesn't do anything. Now, mass messages, mass text messages, or pictures, videos, those are a different story. They work a bit different, but you get the idea, even with this internet data, if you have the capacity to do it, the infrastructure there's really no point in limiting that data. Um, if you pay for that technology, uh, you should be able to get that technology. Uh, so. There's that other concern: is why why these ISPs are not why are they limiting data at all? Um, there are a few technological restraints to this. There's it's not entirely their fault. Um, let's say you bought this cable connection of 50 megabits per second. Again, just using this arbitrary speed. Let's say 10 people bought those connections. Um, They're being funneled in through one piece of equipment, some router. With Comcast, okay. The reality is, even 50 megabits of data per second, not not all each of those 10 people is going to use that speed um, all the time. Maybe for like 10 minutes at a time, and then that's going to stop. So ISPs on their end, they say, well, should we spend the infrastructure and routers to accommodate 50 megabits a second of speed for every customer? Um, so you know, for 10 customers, that would mean you need to have routers that are capable of transferring, you know, 500 megabits per second for those 10 customers. But there's no way they're going to use all use that data all at the same time. In the real world, you don't need that. So you might funnel that down a bit. So most people are only browsing Facebook, checking email. Those activities use so little data in contrast uh, for a cable connection can actually handle. It. Um, again i 'm dumbing this down a little bit to explain the concept, but you need to understand service something like services like a Netflix has reported they use something like thirty five percent of all the internet bandwidth um, YouTube uh, streaming that accounts for something like fourteen percent it 's really huge for what everything that the internet's used for people don't um, understand really comprehend how much netflix uses how much they're taking they're consuming bandwidth over the internet so um backless funneling concepts when everyone in your neighborhood turns on netflix on a friday night that demands a lot of bandwidth for your isp you know that infrastructure in that region for their network equipment that may be funneled down to smaller connections so in other words you're not actually getting the 50 megabits per second speed that you're paying for. ISPs hate admitting this. You might find a network engineer to admit it, but if you call customer support, they're not going to admit it. They probably don't even know. No one probably even tells them and gives them any information, but that's a different story altogether. Um, So bandwidth and data usage, just stuff doesn't really cost ISPs anything. All that they really need to do is set up the infrastructure. When they sign up customers, all a customer does is rent that infrastructure for a time. Plain and simple. The complexity only arrives when you don't want to pay that full price um, for that infrastructure. Or, um, you know, they don't want to put out these various speeds. Some people are okay with that. They don't use Netflix, they don't realize. Um, what they're paying for. They just want to pay as little as possible. They're okay with that. Um, anyway, but even though the FCC is treating ISPs like utilities now, um, this is still gonna, I mean, they're still different than u- regular utility, like electric bills or, or something. Um, like I said, you know, like a cable connection from your home. You're paying for that infrastructure. You're renting for the infrastructure. with like gas or water, electricity, you're sort of paying for that infrastructure. You're sort of renting that, but really, you're just you're also paying for you know your usage. Um, you're paying for however much electricity you use or how much water you use. I mean, I'm sure that's the infrastructure is figured in there somewhere, um, especially if something like water is maybe into your taxes or or whatnot. But the thing with ISPs is they're not generating content, the exception of maybe like Xfinity. Uh, but comcast and verizon they're not they're just the middleman they're just a they're delivering the content they're not generating it you're getting that content from somewhere else like netflix you're paying them for that content with youtube you're not probably not paying them you're getting that for free you know, they're earning the money through advertising or whatnot but um, or services like playstation plus or xbox live you're, you're paying for their data centers Um, you're uh, the the middleman, you know, AT&T, Comcast. All they need to do is provide that to you. They just need to set up the infrastructure and you rent from that. So um, a little bit on this plan, this FCC plan. Um, Among other things, um, the FCC will prevent, uh, quote, companies including uh, Verizon, AT&T, Comcast, Time Warner Cable from establishing tiered lanes of internet service speeds or require users and content providers such as Netflix to pay more for service speed necessary to disseminate their content. The FCC will also prevent those ISPs from segregating or prioritizing traffic and blocking certain content completely. Um, So although the FCC... In addition, FCC did introduce the concept of never blocking unlawful content. Um, This gets into that that concern over precedence government interfering in this stuff. Um, you know, uh, for example, let's say the internet, let's see, uh, ISPs think they need to block uh, BitTorrents. So uh, again, BitTorrents, it's something like four percent of internet usage, and these percentages they vary all over the place. But um, maybe on average, the BitTorrent usage is something like four um, percent. You know, ISPs may think they should, they can block that let's say if someone gets accused of piracy on BitTorrents, maybe they think they can block that. You know that, that may be an issue that comes up in the future. Um, you know, again, and just so you know, BitTorrents are a completely legitimate peer-to-peer connection tool You're sharing everyone's sort of a content provider, um, although it is often used for pirating. So I hope this explains a little bit some of the background in net neutrality. Yeah, it's an incredibly broad term. I hope I explain, um, emphasize the, the primary issue of you know kind of internet policing um, but then of course the FCC ruling that gets into a couple other things. Um, again, uh, this is very, very recent. Um, I'm sure these ISPs will actually challenge these rulings. Um, in addition, Congress may get more involved themselves so over the next few years You'll probably still be confused you'll probably still hear a lot of other things uh, time will tell what really happens. Um, pay attention if you don't don't worry too much uh, it's not it, it it's very complex um, don't stress um, If you want to learn more about it I mean stay tuned i re- do recommend companies like Wired they're very good at explaining things very simply and that's it.